All right now, for honest, reading the Bible consistently can be a challenge, but it's never too late to start, and we're in this together. This is the Join the Journey podcast. Thanks for joining. Hannah Stobbs here from the Watermark Institute, and I'm excited to have on the podcast with me today our fourth time in a row friend, Bo Richardson. Yo. Bo, welcome back. Thanks for having me back. Uh, We're glad to have you back. We're going to jump into Ecclesiastes 10. And this passage, to be honest, it kind of feels like the book of Proverbs. Like it felt very, I'm reading Ecclesiastes, it has its own flow, where this feels very proverb-like. So can you fill me in? The big prompt from our journal, the guided journal from Join the Journey is, what does, quote, money answers everything mean? So can you explain where is that even in our passage and what did you come to the conclusion about? Yeah, so that's uh, that's verse 19. And in the ESV, it says, bread is made for laughter and wine gladdens life and money answers everything. Yeah. And immediately that's just, you're like, wait, what? I thought like <laughs> Jesus is always the answer. You right, know? right, right. So, so how can money be the answer and why are they exalting these things that, you know, don't seem godly? And I did a bit of diving and I found that the Hebrew uh, word here actually implies think. Mm-hmm. So mm. it's, it's not an absolute. It's talking about the rulers that are mentioned in verses 16 and 17. So it's saying that essentially they think that money can meet all their demands and sure. all their desires. Furthermore, we see in Ecclesiastes 1, the second verse of Ecclesiastes, which is a you know, real happy one, says meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Yeah. So if everything is meaningless and money answers everything, then money doesn't get us anywhere eternally. Sure. So yeah, it, it, obviously money gets us stuff on earth, but as Christians, we're not striving to build up treasures on earth. We're trying to build up treasures in heaven. So we can enjoy God's gift like bread and wine and the things money can get us, but God is the giver of joy. So we should turn to him for true true satisfaction. I think that's so good. It's so easy. I think money is such an easy thing to pretend like we don't idolize it, where it's like, no, I use money to buy groceries, to buy pickleball paddles, to (laughs) pay for school, to do all of these things. And I can pretend like it's not an idol. But then when the bank account runs low or when I'm in a tough spot, man, money becomes very important. And I can believe the lie of this verse. Like, oh, if I had more money, I would be fine. If I had more of this, I would be fine. But that's not true, right? I even think of Ecclesiastes 5.10, which says, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This is also vanity. Like you just said, it's like, how is this verse, when you think of this verse and you compare it to Ecclesiastes 1 and 5, they almost sound contradictory, but it's the point of what you just said, right? Like they think this, right? It's this belief that's not true. Again, this God of comfort that we have. So what other passages in this specific text in Ecclesiastes 10 stuck out to you? Yeah. So there's a lot of metaphors that are used in this, yeah. in Ecclesiastes in general. For and sure. the two that stuck out to me were actually verses one and two. Okay. So one, it's it uses this metaphor that says, dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like that reminder to just remain uncompromised. Like mm. it's saying that a little folly just, it corrupts everything. Like a little dead fly can make an entire uh, perfume bottle smell terrible. Just that little folly that we can incorporate into our lives, you know, that little bit of scrolling or that little bit of lust or just not spending time with God faithfully every single day. Those little 
just like steps away from God and from wisdom just like interrupts our communion with God and that takes us further away from him and our little compromises in our faith just make a much bigger impact than I think we realize. No, that's great. Where are the little compromises in our lives? A great question you yeah. need to ask when it comes to not just that passage, but even the money passage. Where are the little compromises where I'm idolizing money and I shouldn't? Where are the little comp- compromises in the scrolling that I'm doing and these other things? No, I think that's I think that's incredible. I think that's awesome. Is there anything else that stuck out to you from this passage? Yeah, well, uh, on verse 1, yeah. the the picture that was painted for me was from uh, a, a passage from Matthew yeah. chapter 7 where he talks about the speck uh, in the plank, right? The speck in your brother's eye and the plank in your own. Yeah. You have to remove the plank to help your brother. And I think of it as just leaving a plank in your eye. And th- there's no brother in this scenario. You're just living life with God with wood in your eyes. Right, you know, right, right. That's the folly. It's little but it disrupts everything. You're missing out on getting to see and experience God because that's just disrupting your relationship and your ability to just perceive the earth how God does. Sure, sure. And again, not just perceiving the earth, but perceiving your relationship with God. And even when you look in the mirror, I think that's the funny part too, where you look in the mirror and you think, I've got it all together, but I have this huge log in my eye. (laughs) I'm missing out. Imagine how many things, opportunities to get to know the Lord better, getting to love and serve other people because of the stuff I haven't worked on in my own heart, in my own life. So, no, I love that, Bo. Any final thoughts for us as we wrap up our time together? Yeah. So in in verse two, that was another one that made me think. It it kind of puzzled me because it says, a wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. And immediately I think that can either sound very literal or very political. You can never turn left ever again. You yeah. Know, right? Like, or never, always turn right. Right, right, right. can't go left or the, the left or right wing sure. political parties are sure, right. Sure, and sure. I'm just, that, that is not what it's saying. It is not literal. It is not political. It is biblical. So I took a deeper dive and realized that in, in the Bible, the right hand side is the side of honor, protection, and strength. And then the KJV, it just says a wise man's heart is at his right hand. And I think that's just another reminder that uh, we, we, you know, we need to guard our hearts and we need to hold our hearts fast. Like verse one was talking about, remain uncompromised and just uh, just protect our heart and turn away from the that that little bit of folly and just back to wisdom, back to God. That's great. I even think of it says in God's word that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, right? And consistently throughout the Bible, when you turn to left, you're turning towards evil and wickedness in the wrong way. Again, the similar, similar even way to put it, turn towards the right. What is the right thing to do instead of the wrong thing to do? So as we wrap up our time together, both thank you for deep diving into Ecclesiastes 10 and for your diligent study. If you're listening to this, the day this podcast comes out, actually tonight at seven o'clock, if you've been in our Watermark family and doing prayer and fasting for the last 21 days, tonight is our celebration, a night of prayer and worship. So if you are, again, a Watermark member or in the Dallas area and listen to this podcast on the day it comes out, we would love to have you come tonight at seven o'clock to pray and worship. And again, Bo, thanks again for being here. Always a pleasure. Probably have you come on again. Get (laughs) ready. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And as always, I'm so glad we're all on this journey reading the Bible together. Hey, we want to thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Did you know that you can help support Join the Journey by rating and reviewing this podcast? And if you're willing, we'd love it if you subscribe because the more you download, the easier it will be for new friends to find the podcast.